something to say. Hello everybody, how you doing? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. So how you been doing? Alright. Messed my knee up. I don't know why I messed my knee up. I don't know how I messed my knee up. I just woke up and it's hurting. Usually when that happens, that means there's weather coming. You know, it's about to rain. You know, there's just pain. So yeah, gotta love that. And so I thought, what would be a good thing to go along with all my leg pain today? Why don't we talk about Solo? Yeah, I am really nervous about doing this topic, and it's not because I have an unpopular opinion or because I think people are going to disagree with me, because I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't, you know. I love my fandoms, I love to participate in my fandoms, but, you know, I, I don't, I, t I try not to get overly worked up about them. Now, I'm sure you've uh, listened to my Star Trek episode from a little ways back. You know, I don't always get there, but I, I try to be measured. I try to be reasonable, and sometimes I'm not. But when it comes to talking about the new Star Wars, everybody seems to have lost their mind. I mean, just everybody. And, I mean, there are some rational people that are talking about what they like and what they don't like in non-hyperbolic insanity ways and then there's the rest of the internet so yeah you can imagine my trepidation in approaching this topic about something from the new star wars so when solo initially came out we went to see it in the theater because it's a star wars movie and that's what we do and i, I came out of the theater and i i, I liked it. it it wasn't a bad movie it wasn't a great movie but I think it's as good as a movie about Han Solo could be. Now, I have to premise this with my own biases here. I have never liked the character of Han Solo. I, I, I just don't like him. I think that he's a useless character. I think he's a wasted character. I think he's annoying. And I know part of that comes from my dislike of Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is not a someone I typically enjoy, which is weird because... You know, I, I do really like Star Wars, and I really like Indiana Jones, and that's in spite of Harrison Ford. <laughs> I, I can think of one other movie that had Harrison Ford in it that I really liked, and that was Working Girl, but, you know, Sigourney Weaver is Sigourney Weaver, and she steals the show, whatever show she's in, so, you know, that's my excuse there. But it, it goes to show how good the material is around him that, uh, you know, when I like something despite him being in it. And so one of the things that really interested me about watching Solo, a Star Wars story, that's the last time I'm going to say that, um, was getting to see someone else play Han Solo. And, well, I don't want to get into this too much because I, I think it could, it's just obnoxious and unnecessary. Alden is fine. I, I actually enjoyed watching his Solo, and this may be my favorite Han Solo storyline that I've ever seen in a Star Wars story because, you know, Han Solo is just annoying in A New Hope. He's obnoxious in Empire Strikes Back. He's useless in 
would have gotten everybody killed if it wasn't for Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. I was just waiting for him to die in um, The Force Awakens because Harrison Ford had made it very clear that the only way he would ever return to Star Wars is if they killed him. So I, I don't know how anybody was surprised by that. So, you know, he's not a character that I have a lot of love for. And a lot of my dislike of Harrison, of not of Harrison Ford, but of the character of Han Solo comes from people who I don't think actually watched the movies and wanted to turn him into something he's not. And I'm not talking about the Han shot first or any of that crap, because frankly, I don't care. Honestly, if Han did shoot Greedo first, and that's the version you want to go with in your own little headcanon, it was by accident. It's because his finger accidentally tripped the trigger and accidentally shot Greedo. It wasn't calculated. It wasn't planned. And (laughs) this is something that is very, I I think, important to understand about the character of Han Solo. He would be dead a thousand times over if Chewbacca didn't keep saving him, and if Leia didn't keep saving him, and if Luke didn't keep saving him. And basically, he is the damsel who is always in distress in every one of the Star Wars movies. He really is. If you actually pay attention to his storyline, he's the damsel in distress, and you know, Jabba would have done bad things to him if Luke and Ben hadn't promised to give him money to save him from his stupid decisions in A New Hope. And of course, he messed that up, and so by the time we meet him in Empire, he doesn't have anything on his smuggler ship to detect whether or not he's being tracked or not, because he's a good smuggler. Yeah. And he decides to go hang out with the one guy that he knows will probably betray him because he has no concept of what's the right thing to do. Yeah, so that happens. And of course, he ends up underreacting to the discovery of C-3PO and all the weirdness going on. And oh, there he is, being a jerk and getting frozen in carbonite. Okay, fine. He's... The damsel, the damsel, the damsel, and then he gets ultimately damseled to the point where, by the beginning of Return of the Jedi, everyone is involved in an elaborate plot to try to free him because he's been damseled so hard. And then, of course, the story continues from there, where he keeps getting himself in problem after problem after problem, and if it wasn't for Luke and Leia, he would have gotten everybody killed. He's not the badass character that so many people seem to think that he is. And that's one of the things that really worried me when we went to see Solo for the first time, is that they would try to do some fan service thing and make him into this badass scoundrel that he's not. And I was so happy that they didn't do that. And I think that's actually one of the things that's given some people bad feelings about Solo, is it actually represents Han Solo as the character that he is. He's not particularly good at any of the things he thinks he's good at. If it wasn't for other people saving his butt and figuring stuff out, he would have been dead a thousand times over. He has some minor competencies that explain why he's alive. And it's because he's kind of almost a good guy. He just doesn't want to admit that he's a good guy because he's that annoying person who thinks that he's a badass, but he really isn't. And there you go, kids. That's the uh, that's Solo in a nutshell. <laughs> that really is the story of, of Solo, a Star Wars movie. So I, from now on, from this point on, if you haven't seen Solo and you don't want spoilers, I'm going to be talking about this film in detail. There will be spoilers. 
prepare yourself. Okay, everybody gone? Everybody, 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 okay, and time. So, you know, I, I enjoyed it the first, when I first saw it. I thought it was a good film. It, it didn't, you know, change my life. It didn't, you know, wow me, but I didn't expect a movie about Han Solo to do that. It would have been great if it had found a way to do that, like Rogue One did. I expected Rogue One to be fine, and it was astounding. But everything can't be Rogue One. And I feel like Solo was made out of obligation. It's the movie that they had to make because for some stupid, stupid reason, Han Solo is kind of the patron saint of a lot of Star Wars fans. And if they're going to do a deep dive into any character's background, everybody would keep asking, when are we getting the Solo movie? When are we getting the Solo movie? When are we getting the Solo movie? So they just got it out of the way. I really feel like that's what the thoughts were. That was the thought inside Lucasfilm, that they, they had to just do it, get it out of the way, and then they could focus on other things. And also just to settle a lot of crap about the character of Han Solo, because that's what they did. So I've talked a little bit about Alden. I think that he's really an interesting actor to play this part. I think he brings something that Harrison Ford never did. I think, he, to me... He is the first likable Han Solo <laughs> that his goofiness and his inability to actually be successful at anything while occasionally having halfway decent ideas that other people have to pull off because he's not technically capable of doing so. Um, yeah, it's, he's, yeah, he, he, Alden is lovable enough that, you know, he can pull that off. Finally, somebody can pull off the character of Han Solo in a way that's not obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge start. And I, I, I'm not really going to talk about the story in order, in chronological order, or anything like that. There's just a few things that I think need to be highlighted. Because the second time through, when we bought the movie last week and watched it, it was such a good movie. And I enjoyed watching it a lot. And I think... On second viewing, once I knew what to expect, because I didn't have any expectations going into it, except for, I, well, I expected it to be a really bad movie, and it was not a really bad movie, so it passed over the bar that I had set for myself. And again, that's not because I'm one of the idiots who doesn't like the Kathleen Kennedy Star Wars things, actually. This is my least favorite of those, and... I really like The Last Jedi and Force Awakens and um, Rogue One. But again, it's because it's about Han Solo. I didn't expect to like it. I think there are some things that they could have done to make it a better film. I think if the movie was actually about Beckett and we met young Han, young Han Solo that way, I think that actually may have been a more interesting film. Because I think, and this is a problem with just Han Solo's character as a character, Han is not a very interesting character. Beckett, on the other hand, I think was. And I think that could have made for a very interesting movie if we had seen the story from Beckett's point of view instead of Hans. Now, having said that, we wouldn't have gotten the gloriously stupid, I do mean gloriously stupid, explanation for where Han Solo's name came from. And that he, you know, he's asked by the Imperial flight officer what his, who his people are, and he says he has no people, and the Imperial officer names him Han Solo. I love that. I love that so much, mainly because, again, the extended universe, the, the legends, 
stories tried to build Han Solo into something that Han Solo never was. And so you have his family being important and you start introducing other solos into the story and cousins and uncles and all manner of annoying people that we just didn't need. And I kind of liked the fact that they just went. So for everybody who thinks we're going to go into the whole thing about Han's family, if we do, they're not going to be solos and so they're probably not the characters you're thinking about. So just throw that all away. And I'm fine with that. There's a lot of stuff from the from the old extended universe I wish they would have kept. Again, like I said, the old Han Solo stuff was never my favorite. The weird rivalry they gave him with Boba Fett never made sense. Boba Fett should have killed him a thousand times over. And they always found weird contrived reasons for Boba Fett not to kill him. That always annoyed me. And if, like I said, his family, I mean, yeah, we, we don't need any of those other solos. And I actually looked up the Wikipedia article just in case you don't remember any of these people because I wanted to get their name right. Like, you have Bethrone E. Solo and Dahlia Solo and Thraken Sal Solo. Oh, please, God, let Thraken never, ever, ever grace the pages of anything Star Wars ever again. He was such a terrible character. And let's see, Elena Solo and Arya Solo, and I'm not even gonna, I'm done. Thraken, I, I, once I got to Thraken, I was just, oh lord, Thraken Sal Solo. No, not Thraken. He's such an obnoxious character. And with one line that I know some people did not like, they threw all of that out. And it makes me really, really happy because I will hopefully never have to deal with Thraken Sal Solo again. And if they ever do do anything about his extended family, because they made the dice important and had some connection to his father, okay. But please don't don't give us Thrak and and please. Ugh. So that 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 actually made me really happy. There is a deleted scene that I do wish was in the movie that explains exactly why he never became an Imperial pilot, which I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's canon or not. But basically, it looked like, to me, he couldn't really fly the TIE fighter that he was in and did some things that the commander, the lieutenant that he was under, interpreted as some kind of heroics and got kicked out. And it's a funny scene. It's a very funny scene in the deleted scenes for the for the movie. And I hope it is canon because basically he got kicked out of the Imperial Navy for being an idiot. Which is everything that I expect from Han Solo, right there in a nutshell, just wrapped up with a nice little bow on top. Um, so, as far as his time on Corellia, I, I have to say, I one of the more interesting things that gets brought into the story there is um, Lady Proxima. I, I, there was something about her. I, I liked her because she's a good callback to what's eventually going to be happening between him and. Job of the Hut, but she's kind of a giant worm, but she's different from a giant worm. And there's, I, I really liked the puppetry. I really liked how they did her. There was something about her and her minions that I really enjoyed. The introduction of Kira, I'm kind of all right with. Um, the Han Solo in the extended universe was a slut and had a long list of previouslys. Yeah, before Princess Leia. So. Maybe, 
I don't know how much of that we're going to get because this movie is set about 10 years, I believe, before A New Hope. So eh, we'll see how all that works out. Kira, as far as the character goes, was fine. She was interesting. I liked her. I, I kind of wish there was more of her in the movie. If I have one real gripe in the movie, it's that she and Beckett don't get as much screen time as they should have. They're very interesting characters as opposed to Han Solo, who is just Han Solo. Chewbacca actually has a very interesting and complex storyline in Solo that puts Han to shame. And that's saying something because this is a big, hairy ape man who just talks like a barking dog. Well, not like a barking dog, but you know what I mean. Like, in just incomprehensible noise. And yet he still remained more compelling than the character of Han Solo. Can you tell I don't like Han Solo? Um, I mean, K- Kira was an interesting character, and I'm glad that they created her. I, I really like the scenes on Mimban. I Again, like I said, I wish the movie had been from Beckett's point of view. I really liked the crew that we meet him with on Mimban. Min, min, yeah, I can't say it. I always get the M and the N backwards. Mimban. Mimban. Bawap. Ninibon. Anyway, on Mimban. I really like the crew that we meet him with. I wish we had gotten to spend a lot more time with them. I think that's another waste of the movie because we spend so much time with Han Solo. We we don't get time with some of the newer characters that are, frankly, much more compelling and interesting. Like Vala, I think Vala would have made for a much more interesting character to spend time with than Han. But then again, the snow was more compelling. No, um, I know I pick on him too much. So the heist on Vandor 1, I'm not going to talk about too much. It was awesome. I really liked the train heist. I liked the introduction of Infus Nest. I liked her character. I liked where they went with her character. I liked that they used her to kind of set up the rebellion. I love how she presages kind of the change of heart that Han will eventually have and join the rebels. I liked Dryden Voss. I thought he was an interesting character. I thought he was very well performed. Again, we didn't get to know him very much, and I think that's something that would have been fixed if our main characters were actually Kira and Beckett, if we saw the entire story from their point of view. I think it would have been a much more compelling story because we would have gotten to know those characters better than the characters that we already knew. And since... I hate to keep saying this, but since we spent so much time with Han, we don't get a lot of time with Beckett. We don't get a lot of time with... Quinn with a Dryden Voss, and we don't get a lot of time with Kira to really get to know them as characters. Now, I think everybody assumed when the movie was announced that we were going to find out about the Kessel Run, because you have to explain every error in the original trilogy or everything that seems incongruent or doesn't make sense. I mean, that seems to be what these standalone movies were for. I mean, for goodness sakes... Rogue One and the three books, I think it was, three, four books that came out around it, were all there to explain why the Death Star was so easy to destroy. And this movie, more than anything, is an explanation of why Han Solo says that he made the Kessel Run in 13 parsecs when a parsec is a measure of distance, not time. And this was clearly an error on George Lucas's part that made it into the script. Nobody corrected him because nobody knew to correct him. And they have to find an excuse for this. There actually was an excuse in um, Legends 
this isn't too different from the excuse in legends that there were basically a cluster of black holes around um the system and around kessel and it was really hard to hyperspace through and he found this quicker shortcut through that only his ship was fast enough and had a good enough computer to navigate through and so it was his skill that made it work it was a very similar storyline in legends so i figured that this is what the movie was going to be about it is of course what the movie is about uh yeah I, I don't have much to say about that um l3 is one of the unsung heroes of the story i loved her so much but i like me a bossy robot um i i i I, I love an android that has way too much personality and way, thinks way too much of themselves. And so, yeah, I was fine with her character. I liked what they did with her. I Okay, fine, she's why the Millennium Falcon is such a great ship, because they ended up merging her into the computer. This is, of course, again, explaining something that C-3PO would later say in the original trilogy, that the ship is uh, foul-mouthed and speaks in a peculiar dialect that well the reason for that is well three yeah it, it, it again was unnecessary but they wanted to explain all this stuff so they did and i'm fine with it you know i think she's a very interesting character i i would kind of like to see um some kind of a han solo adventure story that's narrated from the point of view of the millennium falcon that writes in l3's voice i think that would be amazing and i would Definitely, definitely read, read, listen, or watch that. So, yeah, that, that would be fun. Um, I've completely skipped over Lando Calrissian, and that's not... Uh, I wish I could say I was saving the best for last. I, I don't know what to say other than he was amazing. Lando steals the show, every scene that he's in. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Donald Glover, Glover just is such a good actor, and he does such a good Lando Calrissian without sounding like an impersonation of Billy D. Williams, but he sounds like what you want Lando to sound like, even though he doesn't actually sound like the Billy D. Williams in the later movies. Like you can see how it's kind of the the job that Ewan McGregor did, where he doesn't sound exactly like the Obi Wan Kenobi that you know, but he sounds enough like him that you can see how his voice will eventually mature into the Obi Wan that you know. Yeah, he kind of pulled that off, and he was brilliant. He was wonderful. Love him. If you want to give me a Lando movie, I'll definitely watch. But, of course, a lot of that's because, you know, Donald Glover, at least right now, lately, can do no wrong. Like, he's really been doing great on everything. And so the last thing I wanted to talk about is the Do Your Homework Kent section of today's show. And I've kind of rambled about this before, but it's the Darth Maul cameo at the end, which I think took some people by surprise. I... First of all, really, really liked it, because if you didn't notice, it was the actor who played Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, but he was lip-syncing to the voice of the actor who played Darth Maul in The Clone Wars. And there's a really interesting special feature talking about how that came about and how the two of them really collaborated in the language and how Darth Maul worked and how that scene played out. And I think for a lot of people, this was a surprise because they haven't kept up with Star Wars and they haven't kept up with canon. And so to them, it was a shock that Darth Maul was still alive and thought that this was bizarre and kind of, you know, out of left field. When George Lucas brought Darth Maul back, 
um, begrudgingly in a way, but a fun argument was made about bringing him back and George agreed with it back when they were doing Clone Wars and he became a wonderful villain during Clone Wars and an even better villain in Star Wars Rebels. And this gives us our time frame for him. He is still on Dathomir. He is still running his criminal syndicate. This is before his criminal syndicate falls apart and he somehow gets stranded on um, Malachor. Yeah. And I like that it gives us a sense of time. It also gives us a sense of why they may have, the Empire was chasing him and why they had tracked him there. It also gives you a sense of why he was there. Um, my feeling is he had been watching the Rebels and knew that Ezra and the others were going to be there and was trying to find himself a new disciple. I think that was in his intent the entire time. But it's it, this is really a do-your-homework, Kent, because so many people went on and on and on. And I actually saw several theory videos about how Darth Maul might have survived the Phantom Menace. And oh, I'm like, we have Wikipedia. We probably have it on Wikipedia. It's probably on there. But for goodness sakes, there, there's a crowdsourced resource that you could have looked up and just seen really quickly that there's already a canon explanation for how he survived. And that if nothing else, this is one of the only references in the film that gives us a time frame. The, the film could really happen at any point in galactic history. It's knowing that, okay, so this is from the point of view, point, point in time, when he is still active on Dathomir. He hasn't left Dathomir yet. He is still in control of his criminal syndicate. He hasn't lost that yet. And he's still working towards those aims. This gives us, within the rest of canon a place to lock in in time. It also gives us some very interesting thoughts about what might end up happening with Kira and where they might go with her, especially since they pointed out that she knows Tears Kasi. Again, oh, I'm so glad that's back in canon, and I want so much more about that brought back into canon. That, that, that oh, if for nothing else, Han Solo may be the greatest side story movie they ever did just because it brought Tears Kasi back to canon. You have no idea how much I love it. Um, but you know, it's it's really obnoxious to see people that are supposed to be experts in Star Wars. And I don't claim to be an expert, but if you're going to claim some kind of expertise in Star Wars and you haven't kept up with anything but the movies, maybe take a minute to look at the wider canon. Because, you know, I don't read all the books. I read a lot of them, but I don't read all the books. I, I kind of keep up with the comics, but not, you know, fervently. There are some that I do and some that I don't. So I don't know everything that's going on because i'm not re reading every story that comes out because there's a lot of it now but we have this, this thing called wikipedia where people do that and collate all that so you could just look and it takes like a couple minutes just to go to wikipedia look up darth maul and go oh look he didn't die in the phantom menace and he was actually a problem during the clone wars and oh look he and his brother tried to assassinate palpatine and ended up leading a revolt on Mandalore and oh he right end up running this criminal syndicate and all this other stuff and oh he pops back up and he doesn't actually die spoiler alert if anybody cares about how Darth Maul actually died he doesn't actually die until he finally tracks down Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine yeah Obi-Wan does kill him but not for many 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 years and he dies on Tatooine one of the most amazing scenes ever filmed for Star Wars. But that's really easy to look up. I don't 
I don't understand why people that that's their day job and that's what they you know want to be seen as an expert in couldn't take the couple minutes to go to Wikipedia and not do stupid tin theories about how Obi how Darth Maul might have survived Phantom Menace. That's great that you have ten theories, but we know he ended up going into the trash, got sent off to this trash planet. His he was kept alive by his own hate, his hate and rage focused specifically at Obi Wan Kenobi kept him alive because Dark Side. He fashioned for himself a robotic body so that he could move around. Was kind of a weird spider monster for a little bit. Ends up being taken back to Dathomir where the Night Sisters fashion a new, stronger body for him. Yeah, they, we know all this. And it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's very well rendered. It's wonderful story. And we get the story of his brother, Savage Opress. And, oh, so good. I mean, it's just so good. If you've never watched Clone Wars, watch Clone Wars. It's such a good series, and I can't wait for it to come back. Um, but yeah, that, that's why he's in there. He's actually the time marker. Without him in the movie, the movie is completely unmoored in time. And he's the one thing that actually gives us a sense of when the movie takes. And of course, it was a cool thing to see Ray Parker playing Darth Maul again. That was, that was just awesome. So everything said and done, you know, I don't do star ratings anymore because they're stupid and obnoxious it's a good movie if even if you don't like han solo it's a good movie it could have been a better movie i i kind of almost wish it was more fast and furiousy and less star warsy i think that would have made it a better movie but i really like the new characters it added i like beckett i like his crew i like vala i like the characters that were brought in there i like kira i like this glimpse of the underworld which i feel like we're going to get to see more of in john favreau's series coming to a disney app near you it's worth seeing. I, I don't understand the people that freaked out about it. I don't think it was ever going to be a huge film because I think a lot more people say that they like Han Solo than actually do like Han Solo. And it's the one important test film that they had to do to see how audiences would react to recasting these characters. Because there are a lot of characters that they could have done this with, like a Young Leia series, which you know that they're... They were at least at some point considering, especially when you see how much she's her character's involved in Forces of Destiny. Um, yeah, the, the, this was a trial balloon to see how it would go. And I also think that it was a movie that they knew would be good enough that it would bring down some of the expectations on Star Wars as a franchise because it can't be all rising. It can't, you know. I, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Definitely watch it. It's worth your time. Is it the greatest movie ever? No. Does it have some of the best movie moments that Hansel ever had? Yes. It has definitely some of the best Chewbacca stuff. Like, if you're a Chewbacca fan, which I've always been a Chewbacca fan, this, yeah, this is a good movie. Chewbacca is amazing in this film. Um, and keep your eye open for little Easter eggs. There, I, I could do, like, a section of this on Easter eggs, and I thought about doing it. There's only one that I'm going to point out to you. There is a scene where Chewbacca and Han, when Chewbacca and Han first meet, and they're kind of having a little fight, and Chewbacca throws Han into the mud. And if you look for a split second, it's, it's not really for a split second, it's kind of for a moment. Alden is pushed into the mud with his hands out and looks just like Han frozen in carbonite. Really cool little moment, little thing that they did. I'm assuming on purpose. May have been a pure 
accident. I don't know. But it, it, it's a beautiful moment. And there's a lot of those little things that they did in this movie. It, it's, it's good. I mean, this is not an Ewok movie. Like, when you want to talk about bad Star Wars movies, we have them. They were the Ewok Adventures, the Christmas special. We have them. We know what they look like. This is not one of them. It, it's not as good as Rogue One, but it's still, it's worth watching. And there you go. That, that's my kind of second look at Han Solo. I almost titled this episode a second look at Han Solo. And I just thought that, that I'd feel like I had to do a third or something tomorrow. Because, you know, Monday's episode was the first look at DC Universe. But of course, you know, numbers are weird. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed my ramblings about Solo. If there's anything in particular you want to talk about on here, you can hit me up on social media. You can find links to all my accounts over at projectshadow.com. If you want to actually send in some audio that I can use on the show, download the Anchor app, follow me on there, and you can do call a call-in and leave me up to a one-minute message that I can and might use on the show. Um, that could be a question or a comment or anything that you want to add to the conversation. I really do enjoy those when they happen, um, and I like bringing those on. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been sharing the show. If the show means anything to you, if you have enjoyed it at all, please share it. If the app that you're listening to this in allows you to rate either the episode or the series or both, please do that. That really helps out a lot. Um, if you want to support financially, and that's something you're capable and willing to do, if you look on the app, you'll see a support on Anchor in the show notes. Um, some apps actually have it built in, so it's like a button up near the subscribe in some apps. Um, either way, if you click that, that'll take you over to Anchor. And you can support me at the $1, $5, $10 levels. Anything that you do would be greatly appreciated. And um, I got to get a book that I needed today thanks to our wonderful subscribers. And I'm still wrestling over whether or not to get Vellum. Thanks to you all who have given me enough money that I can actually think about whether or not that's a good use of my money. <laughs> Thank you for the problems. I need them. I really do. Um, so, yes, please consider supporting me there. If you want to support my fiction and everything I do, you can support me over at Patreon. I'm at patreon.com slash cedorset. Again, you can find links to everything, including my fiction, which is up on Wattpad over at projectshadow.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye. <laughs>